I uh, was telling the, the group over at Demers, I'm so thankful for people like Tom and Michelle O'Brien. And as I was singing the songs over there, like I was um, just overwhelmed with the beauty of Christ. Just how loving and amazing he is. And then that he puts it on people's hearts like Tom and Michelle to go into difficult places far away from home uh, to love people. And I am so grateful that we are making an impact. This church here in Massillon, Ohio, is making an impact in Malaysia simply because we are partnered with Tom and Michelle. So it's, it's just awesome to be in partnership with you. I did not realize it was 35 years. I know I knew it was a long time. didn't realize it was that long. That's awesome. Um, this week is just a, it's just a different week, I think, for, for people in our church. Um, obviously, we still have the p pandemic stuff going on. There's still the racial stuff going on. And we're going to be speaking about the race stuff because I think it's so important that we're clear on what God's word has to say about this very hot button issue. And we want to be thinking the way God thinks about race and racial injustice. Um, but it's also an additional, just strange week, because uh, one of our dearly beloved brothers has went to be with Jesus, Ed Hodgson. So he was a part of this congregation from the beginning. That's what I understand. And so he's been worshiping here at this church for 40 or so years. And so it's just bizarre. As I was singing you know, the songs over there, it was just weird for me to sing and know that Ed is no longer you know, here uh, with us, but yet at the same time, just rejoicing that he's no longer suffering and he is finally with his beloved Savior. But it's just weird and strange. It just is. We were not meant, we were not created to die. And so it's always <coughs> difficult. Uh, so let's make sure to pray for Sharon as she starts this new chapter of her life. And uh, before I got up to preach over at the other building, one of my sons said, short and sweet, as I was getting up. So I will try and make this message as short and as sweet as I possibly can. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can be together. We thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you for the cooler weather and what a refreshing thing it is to be sitting in here and feeling that cooler air come in. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of the, the peaks and the valleys and your faithfulness never stops. And your love is an unfailing, unceasing love. Lord, we are grateful that Ed is with you, broke down body suffering under the weight of illness. Um, and yet, we are sad, and we, are, we grieve, and we really feel for Sharon as she was starting a totally different chapter in her life. And we pray uh, for your sustaining grace for her, that she would experience that your mercies truly are new each morning. And we pray also that this church body uh, would rally around her and that family and friends would continue to minister to her in the weeks and months and years to come. 
Lord, thank you that uh, you've made people, all people, in your image, and that no race of people has more inherent worth or dignity than another. Lord, I pray that we could be bearers of light when it comes to this, this discussion of race and racial injustice and systemic racism, that we would think your thoughts in regards to this issue. Holy Spirit, teach us, uh, enlighten us. Uh, we, love, we love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the way I am thinking about the sermon series, and hopefully this will make sense to you, I'm giving you a window into my mind and how this is structured. Hopefully it's helpful, but uh, I'm looking, what I'm doing with you is I'm looking at the overarching storyline of the Bible. And as we look at the major sections of that storyline, what can we learn about race and what God thinks of race and racism? So there's, a, there's a several different ways you can break up the main storyline of the Bible, but one popular way, and this is the way that I'm using, is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Two Sundays ago when we started the sermon series, we looked at creation and fall, those two major sections of the biblical storyline. And we looked at, well, what does creation and fall teach us about racism? If you haven't listened to that sermon two, two Sundays ago, I encourage you to do it. I also encourage you to listen to Justin's last Sunday, because I think he did a phenomenal job, and what he shared really ties in to what we're talking about in the sermon series. Today, what I want to do is I want to focus on the redemption section of the storyline of the Bible. And it's the major section, the most major of the major sections, because the vast majority of the Bible is dealing with the redemption um, section. And I think that re the redemption section can be divided into some subsections. Israel, the prophet, Jesus, and the church. And so this morning, we are going to look at the major section of redemption, specifically, though, the subsection of Israel that's under that umbrella. So hopefully that makes sense. And the first thing that I want to tell you, because I want you to be equipped, if somebody comes to you and says that the Bible supports um, superiority of race or racism or systemic racism, I want you to be well equipped in humility and love to, to point them to how the scriptures denounce that sort of thing. And the first thing I want you to see in regards to Israel is that Israel was an ethnically diverse group from its, very, from its inception, from the very beginning. After the fall recorded in Genesis 3, God, he picks this guy named Abraham and he tells Abraham, look, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your family great. And through you, I am going to bless all the people of the earth. Now, if you fast forward the biblical storyline, um, you get to the book of Exodus. And in Exodus, what we find is God's promise to Abraham really beginning to materialize because uh, his descendants really become numerous. So numerous, in fact that the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and other Egyptians are concerned that Abraham's family is getting so large that they're going to take over power. And so in order to continue to keep 
Abraham's family in their place, the Egyptians enslaved Abraham's family, which becomes known as the, the Israelites. And of course, God, if you're reading the storyline, he hears the cry of the Israelite people. And so he saves them. And as they're coming out of slavery in Egypt, as they're leaving Egypt, there's one really important verse that we need to see in that story. So it's Exodus 12, 37 through 38, and the really important verse is verse 38. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sakoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. Check this part out. And a mixed multitude went up with them also in flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. A mixed multitude went up with them also. Scholars will tell you that the Hebrew word behind mixed here in this verse means ethnically diverse. Various different people groups. And that means that it wasn't just the biological descendants of Abraham that were saved out of Egypt, but it, there were a ton of non-Israelite people that God also saved that weren't biological descendants of Abraham. And if you look at the Egyptian literary records, we, we learn who some of these people groups were. Um, Canaanites, Amorites, Arameans, and the list goes on. Where the, that was, these different ethnicities were some of the ethnicities that were a part of that mixed multitude. What's I think very interesting for us living in America is that those Egyptian literary records also tell us that there were a ton of Kushites living in Egypt. Kushites were black African people. And the reason why there were a ton of them living in Egypt is because what, Egypt was a world superpower. And when they would conquer people groups, they would bring those conquered people back to Egypt to be slaves and servants and so on and so forth. And so part of that mixed multitude were black Africans that God saved from slavery in Egypt. I don't know about you, but when, over the years, as I have thought about Israel, I haven't, I don't think, fully understood the extent to which they were a mixed multitude of ethnicities. I just always thought of Israel as like Israelites, like descendants of Abraham. But from the very beginning, it was not the case. It was very mixed. And so Israel was more of a theological community than a biological community. And what I mean by this is that um, the people, it was more centered around the worship of Yahweh than it was around, which is the God of the Bible, than it was about around color of skin or ethnicity. It was a theological community, not necessarily a biological community. Another thing I want to point out in regards to the Exodus is that strangers were included in Passover. If you don't know what Passover was, it was the main event that brought the, the, the Israelites and the mixed multitude of other ethnicities that were with the Israelite people out of Egypt. And what God uh, instructed the Israelite males to do was to kill a lamb, 
uh, eat that lamb with their family, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their household, and then when God's judgment fell on all people living in Egypt, uh, they would be passed over. They would be passed over. That If they took shelter under the blood of the lamb, um, their firstborn son would not be killed. And in the instructions that God gave the Israelite people, look at how he includes the strangers in his instructions. Exodus 12, 43-49 says, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. Now right now it looks like, alright, only Israelites, biological descendants of Abraham, can eat this Passover and be included in the Exodus. But then we read in 48, And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. This passage is you know, making a distinction between stranger, uh, uh, foreigners and aliens who do not worship Yahweh and are dwelling with the Israelite community and those that do. And the ones that worship Yahweh, they can partake in Passover and they can be part of the Exodus and experience the salvation of God. Here's another thing. So when, if you follow this biblical storyline, you continue with Israel. So God rescues uh, the Israelite and this mixed multitude of people out of Egypt. They essentially, they become a nation and God gives them laws to govern their life by, right? And here's what we find, and I don't even think this is in your PowerPoint because it was a late edition. But here it is. God commanded the Israelites to love the foreigners dwelling in their midst. Leviticus 19.33 says this, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. You were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And if that's not clear enough, God states, the scriptures state in Deuteronomy 27.19, Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and widow. And all the peoples, all the people shall say amen. Amen? Amen. 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 What's more, Moses, one of the key figures of the Old Testament, arguably the, the greatest figure, the most important figure, married a black African woman. So check this out. Um, got Israel, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt. And in the 12th chapter of the book of Numbers, we find Moses marrying a black woman. And it's interesting to compare Moses' siblings' response to this marriage and God's. So check this out. Numbers 12, 1 says this. Then Miriam and Aaron, this is uh, Moses' Moses' sibling spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now some translations say Cushite woman. Well, Cushite, Ethiopian, they're synonymous terms and they mean black African. 
So you could read this verse this way. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the black African woman who he had married, for he had married a black African woman. Why is this verse telling you twice that he married a black African woman? That's because that was the issue that Miriam and Aaron were having. Now, contrast this with God's response um, to Moses' marriage and uh, Miriam and Aaron's response. Check this out, Numbers 12, 4 through 13. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. See, the Lord's talking Moses up. Check this out. I, uh, uh, so, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then? Miriam and Aaron, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. God's response to Miriam and Aaron's response to Moses' marriage to a black African woman clearly shows that God had no problem with it at all. And the punishment that came upon Miriam and Aaron shows that he detested their attitude towards the marriage. The next thing I want to point out, and I've already said it, but it's good to actually make it an official point, is this. God's restriction um, on marrying foreigners, because you may be thinking, all right, I've read the Old Testament, and God does restrict you know, the, his nation of Israel, the people in it from, in it, from marrying foreign people. Um, and so this is another point. God's restrictions on marrying foreigners but it was not ethnically based, but theologically based. So God prohibited, he prohibited the, the people living in, his, in the nation of Israel from marrying the inhabitants, specifically of the land of inhabiting the land of Canaan. That's who he prohibited. It wasn't just foreigners in general. And secondly, it was again for theological reasons and not for ethnic reasons. The reason why God, he, he had this command that don't intermarry with the people living in Canaan is because he knows, and, I, and if we had time I'd read the passage, Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 4. He knew if they did, it would draw the hearts of the men in Israel away from him, the worship of him. That's why he said don't intermarry. It wasn't because of their color of skin, 
their race, their ethnicity. In fact, the Canaanites most resembled the Israelites in physical appearance. So it wasn't because of that. The last thing I want to tell you, if you look at the nation of Israel, is that uh, King David, some of his greatest supporters were non-Israelite people. Um, if you, unfortunately, if you follow the storyline of the Bible and of Israel, Israel, in fact, does become quite the kingdom of, under the leadership of King David. Unfortunately, there were a lot of problems that kept them from really being the light that God intended them to be to other nations. Uh, one problem that arose for Israel is that King David's son, Absalom, wanted to kill David and take his throne. And during that time, many of the people that made up Israel started to follow Absalom instead of David. And... In this time, the ones that supported probably David, some of, the, some of his greatest supporters were foreigners. Just check this out. In 2 Samuel 8.18 and 15.18, we find that there are non-Israelites that make up David's personal bodyguard. <clears throat> if you read the list of David's mighty men in 2 Samuel 23, that list includes at least three foreigners. 2 Samuel 8, 9 through 18 mentions a Cushite. And again, a Cushite was a black African. And this Cushite was trusted by King David's general, Joab, to spread the news that King David had won the victory over Absalom. And so you have this black African playing this really important role, this black African soldier playing a really important role in King David's um, uh, kingdom. And so, if you, if you add this with what we learned in Genesis, all people made in the image of God, and so nobody has, no race has more dignity or inherent worth than another race. If you add to it, you know, Genesis 3 in the fall, and the reason we have racism is because we as people wanted to be Lord in place of God, and we want to be superior to other people, and that's where it all stems from. And then you, you add on to that Genesis 12, where, where God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you great, and I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all peoples of the earth. And if, then if you follow the storyline, as we have into Israel, and you see that Israel was an ethnically diverse group from the beginning. Strangers were included in Passover. God's commands to love the foreigner and the stranger and as, with the same intensity by which you love yourself. Moses, one of the key figures, marrying a black African woman. Um, God uh, only excluding people if they're not willing to worship him, not on race at all. If you add this all together... And it's just become so clear that God abhors racism. And he truly is for all people and desires all people to be saved and to come and worship him. Amen. I just want you to have this kind of information so that you can see it. And so that if anybody comes to you and says, oh, no, here's some, some verses, you can say, oh, no, here's some, here's some, this is what this is really saying, so... Um, pray with me, and uh, I'll let you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go here.
in just a bit. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for how clear it is in your word that you value all people, that you made all people in your image, and your desire is to rescue all people from the greatest um, slave master, and that is sin. Lord, thank you that your invitation extends to all who will come and repent and place their trust in you as Lord and Savior. Um, Lord, I don't understand how people not too long ago in our country enslaved thousands and thousands of African people. It just breaks my heart to think that they used the Bible um, to support um, so something that so is against you and your ways. Lord, I pray that as we navigate this very divisive time in our nation's history, um, that we could be bearers of the truth, that everybody is inherently equal in worth and dignity and honor and value. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.